Hey, game changers and aspiring business moguls. Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Den, the podcast where we learn to turn adversity into opportunity. I'm Mo, a business enthusiast, motivational speaker, and eight-figure serial entrepreneur who has worn many hats and weathered many storms. Every success story is a tale of constant adaption, revision, and change. In each episode of the Entrepreneur's Den, you will hear tales of triumph and defeat lessons learned and how passions turn into paychecks. In other words, I don't talk the talk, but walk the walk. Sit back, buckle up, and let's dive into the exciting world of entrepreneurship. This is The Entrepreneur's Den. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to The Entrepreneur's Den. Today, I'm thrilled to have Dalwood House with us an acclaimed business coach, leadership expert, author, and the founder of Advantage Business Partnerships Limited. Dahl is actually known for so many things, primarily his remarkable approach for optimizing return investment while ensuring work-life balance and reducing stress. Moreover, he's a 26-time award-winning strategist and the mind behind the smarter work pro philosophy. Today, he is here to share some cool tips on how to lead with a smile and find success without the stress. So buckle up, because we're about to go on a fun ride with Darl's stories and secrets. Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Den. Good morning, Mo. Uh, thank you so much for such a kind introduction. And uh, thank you for having me as a guest on your show. I'm, I'm really pleased to be here. And I'll do my best to give away some uh, some really good advice and hopefully some inspiration for whoever uh, current and future business owners. Awesome, awesome, my pleasure. Thank you for that. So to warm up, okay, would you mind if you could share with us your journey from starting in a high pressure industry to becoming an award-winning business strategist? And give a brief as well about who you are to the audience, please. I'm, I'm just a, a guy. I'm a family man, really. I've got four children. Um, I love spending as much time with them as possible. And, um, and then in and amongst looking after family when I'm not working, I like to be, uh, traveling, enjoying the world, exploring, enjoying the cultures. And, um, I like to, um, uh, do fitness and, uh, love live music and movies, like stuff like that. Work wise. All my work has always been themed around helping people. Um, and uh, I was very lucky that uh, at the beginning of my working career, I got onto an executive management training program with a, a, a FTSE 100 global corporate. And uh, I was fast-tracked through all, um, lots of different uh, divisions in this large company whilst getting some amazing kind of quite elite training from likes of um, McKinsey, uh, Ashridge, Cranfield Business School. So a lot of that training was about um, core um, commercial uh, and interpersonal skills that you need to work with people, to manage people, to be successful in your career, to build a business. Um, so I was really, really genuinely blessed to have that kind of um, early training and development. Um, I graduated through that and then um, did university management positions, um, then I was uh, headhunted to a competitor 
um, where I was initially a, a, a business and banking manager, managing a portfolio of SMEs, giving them advice, helping them to grow, helping them with their challenges, of course, um, helping them get access to fund, you know, vital funding, helping them with networking skills and events, things like this. Then I was a area manager and managing a team of those business managers. Um, and then I sort of jumped up to a, a national role where I was head of performance for, um, for, uh, for the, the SME bank, uh, Barclays. Um, and, uh, we had a team of what, 700 staff, and uh, 1.1 billion, uh, profit and loss revenue account. Um, and it was my job to, um, help rebuild and transform that division because it, uh, it'd been restructured a few times, hadn't had much love for a few years. And um, so it's, um, an improved, uh, growth plan. It's strong leadership It needed to invest in its people and its team, and it needed to get out there more and listen to customers and improve the products and the services we were providing to those customers, uh, and a whole lot of other stuff. And then when I was in that national role, um, as part of the corporate social responsibility program and the organization looking to do more for uh, the community and to, to give back as such. And um, I was one of the, the volunteer managers, executives that then spent a day or two of, of paid work time mentoring um, small businesses, startups, entrepreneurs, um, and helping them with their, you know, with their challenges and, and helping them be more successful. So um, that's when I got my, I guess it was that role uh, where you know, I was able to really give myself in that time to those startups without having, um, corporate performance targets and red tape kind of paperwork. And it was just all about where are the entrepreneurs, where do they want to get to and what gaps of knowledge, skills, connections have they got to getting there and helping make that stuff happen. And I've, I, and I just, I just loved that. And that was when I had the inspiration to start my first business. So I left that corporate career 12 years ago. That's when Advantage Business Partnerships was born. And, uh, it's been a bit of a journey since, um, going through the challenges of, of starting up and loads of stuff you learn in the first, even couple of months, first couple of years that, uh, they don't teach you in school or in a textbook. You just got to learn the hard way. Um, so, uh, you, you gain a lot of stuff from that, but then once you've got started and established, and if you want to scale that up into multi-million revenues, that's a whole different ball game and a different strategy. So I've kind of then learned and been through that. Um, and of course that, that company has been, it's been successful, won lots of awards for services, helping other businesses to do just that. So I've kind of been on all these different sides of the, the working world. You know, I've been in, I've been employed, I've been a, a manager of many people. I've been a startup entrepreneur. I've been a scale up entrepreneur. I've helped many other startups, entrepreneurs, and then, you know, moving that to today, um, I still do that stuff much more of a portfolio career. So I've had, a, I've invested in a number of companies. Uh, I've had a couple of successful exits in the last couple of years from those, which is quite nice, nice achievements. Um, also it helps facilitate being able to invest in more companies and do other good stuff. And I'm, I'm also doing a lot of, uh, like business school, guest lecturing, um, delivering a mini MBA leadership and business development type programs. Awesome. Fabulous. So speaking of which, with a great history, great presence, great future, based on what I can hear and based on what I already know about you, um, 
you are known for helping leaders save significant time while improving the life balance. What's your main key strategy for achieving this, the sacred source? Yeah, um, it's a great question, mate. Um, so top line is quite straightforward. It's about, um, it's about helping uh, people to understand some really important research and case studies that have come out in the last few years. Some of this is my own research. Some of it is from top business schools um, and other, you know, it's, it's, you know, large successful companies. So it's, it's very credible research, but it's showing us that working really long hours um, for really, really hard um, over many years. One, it's not good for our long-term health. Um, two, it's clearly not great for our life-life balance because we're not having a life. Um, and three, and this is the go- this is the this is the secret source, the magic as such. Um, in the studies, people who are work people who are working with more of a life-work balance, like 35, 40 hour on a working week, and they're being much more productive and they're being more successful. When you hear this research, why would you want to continue working 80, 100 hours? It just, it does not work. So then you get this thing of right, well, oh, it's impossible. I can't work 40 hours because I've just got too much to do to achieve my goals. Well, that's when we go into sort of deep analysis, really, of, you know, where do you spend your time and how can you use that time more wisely? Um, how can you, um, do things like get really structured about what meetings you commit to and how those meetings are run? Because, Hey, we just, you know, one of the, the biggest activities we all have in, whether you're working in a big company or if you're building your own company, you spend a massive chunk of that time in meetings. Um, yet. Um, when, when, when other research is being done, um, one of the top complaints people have is that oh, I spend too many time in meetings and a lot of those meetings are not structured. They're boring. They're not relevant to me, or I just didn't need to be there. And there's other people in the meeting that didn't need to be there and they're talking and contributing, but all these hours add up into weeks and months of our time every year. And, and that's just one area, uh, one, one area that we can actually take a lot of time back. Of course, there's lots more. There's hundreds of little habits, hacks, and ways of making decisions that can help us to work much smarter um, and still work hard, but work hard for much less time. It's ingrained in society over decades, if not hundreds of years, that we have to work long hours to be as successful as possible. Um, and so I'm trying to get more, get this research out to more people and effectively re-educate the world. Um, that is not the, the best way to live and the best way to work. And then to give them the tools the knowledge, the skills, time management, productivity, and um, decision-making, teamwork, um, getting the best from automation and all these amazing digital tools that we now have that can save us loads of time um, and so on. So, yeah. Awesome. So that's a, that, that's a great mission to be honest with you. Uh, very optimistic, but also realistic. Uh, mission I would say to achieve, particularly that you're trying, as you mentioned earlier, to bring that research to the public and educate others. Um, by default, consumers are not vulnerable to change, are not happy to change their mindsets. Okay, they're happy to share where they are. So I'm hundred percent certain you have been facing some challenges with that. So, what were some of the biggest challenges? you faced in your career and how did you overcome that? 
Well, I guess I was working 80 to 100 hour weeks for 15 years. Um, and it was when I had a big burnout in 2016. Um, the burnout was a long time coming from being exhausted from putting too much into work. Um, but, um, the kind of the trigger, the bit that tipped me over the edge and, and, you know, turned it into a really bad full brain burnout was, uh, things not going so well in my private life and, uh, you know, some events, some traumas, tragedies that can happen to any one of us at any time. You can't really plan for it. You can't avoid it. It's going to happen. This is life. Um, and because I was exhausted and, and as I said, uh, my resilience was low, you know, my fitness was low, it just tipped me over the edge. Um, so I kind of effectively learned the hard way as I was trying to figure things out and kind of recover and rebuild myself. I, um, I said to myself, okay, right, well, first of all, what's the life I want to have? And I set some goals. I set some time, um, some working time hours, some boundaries. And then I said, okay, what do I need to do to my business and my career to make this life happen? And then I kind of did my, my, <laughs> used one of my own skills to build a, a, a realistic plan around that. And then I achieved the, um, what was I doing? Four day week within like three months, three, four months. Um, and then obviously not only was I happier and healthier than ever, but, um, I, I, I just could see and feel that I was being much more successful despite working half as much as I always had done. Um, and that's when I started getting a little bit more, um, almost like a detective reading up more on life work balance and well-being and productivity and case studies and research. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. This isn't just me. This is a, a, a massive thing. And it's an opportunity to help others learn from my mistakes, but also to be able to enjoy this happier, healthier, more successful way of living and working. So, um, it's kind of like, I felt I had a duty almost to share that story. And that's obviously just a short version of it. But, um, you know, one, one of the consequences of getting into that situation is I've got a number of, um, health medical issues that I now have to treat daily for the rest of my life. Um, so these are now, I channel these as reminders, not to let those old overworking habits creep back in. So with that being said, I'm pretty sure now everyone is listening now, whether they want to join the career, whether they recently joined the career and they are not, they're very skeptical to know whether they should continue or not, or even have been in the career for so long with every career, with every industry, there are some myths. So in the realm of leadership and productivity, what common myths do you often encounter and how do you address them? I think the biggest objection that I've seen is it almost sounding too good to be true. And it's like, um, if you're in this situation of working really crazy hours and feeling like every day is tough and you can't, you don't have time to slow down or take a break. If, if you're in that mode, it's like, you can't see the wood through the trees. You're very much sort of stuck in, it's like you got the horse blinkers on, you're very much stuck in all the stuff that you need to do today and this week, everything that's kind of around you and see what you need to do is be able to step back from that and, um, and actually say, okay, right. Looking at all these things, let's do a bit of the Eisenhower matrix. For example, you can just draw a plus sign on your pads and it's like, top left is, um, things that are urgent. Um, top right is things that are important. 
bottom right is not important and then bottom left is not urgent. Um, and if you place your tasks and your, your meetings into the different quadrants, it's just kind of helps you highlight that. Oh, okay. Actually, out of the 27 million things that I think I need to do this week, it's only actually these three or four that are most urgent and most important. So I'm just going to, um, put all those other things. I'm going to hide that list and I'm just going to focus on these three or four. I know they're going to be impactful. I know they're going to move me forward and I know I'm going to feel good when I've done them. And then you just get on with those. Focus on those, cut away all the clutter. And it's it's just being able to, a lot of it is about being able to take that step back and be a bit more strategic and look a bit more longer term. Burnout is a major concern, as you numerously highlighted. What are your top tips for leaders to prevent burnout in themselves and the teams? Yeah, um, good question. So I think... Um, like when you're on an aeroplane and one of the most important messages in the, the flight team safety instruction is in the event of an emergency, put your own oxygen mask on first. Um, cause the time you might spend putting the mask on and the person next to you, you can die <laughs> and then you're not going to have anyone. Um, it's a bit morbid, but it's a, it's a great way to remember this point. Leaders, entrepreneurs, um, parents, we have to lead by example as well. So we have to live and breathe better and work smarter. Um, and then in doing that, one, we're displaying the right behaviors that then more people around us will then start to adopt and to follow. And then we can accelerate that further by proactively sharing how we're doing things differently and showing that and educating on the positives of that, you know, showing them how it's worked for you as an individual. Um, and then of course, you don't even need to have spend lots of money on training. There's a, there's a whole load of free content online. Um, you know, there's, there's stacks of information and tips. Um, we just gotta, again, make time to find this information. And then secondly, make time to do something with it. And it's very simple, but as I said, you know, even the most successful people struggle to do that because they're so stuck and caught up in this in their own kind of world of all the things they've got to get off their list today and all the, all the, all the busyness, break that mold. And a lot of it's about mindset. Awesome. 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 So speaking of which, and you have touched on that previously in today's episode, how does your philosophy of working smart translate into practical advice for today's leaders? Because there's so many theoretical advices, so many things that usually put people off coaching and trainers because they usually deliver very optimistic advices that are very hard to be achieved. So having such a great expert like yourself today in the den, what and how do you think your philosophy can be translated into, I would say, ready to use or ready to plug in advices, ready to plug in advice to people's businesses? So I, I guess really I, I just give an example and there's, there's hundreds of these. Um, I think I've got 50 plus, um, actionable, uh, practical piece of advice in my, in my latest free ebook. So if anyone wants more of this stuff, you know, go and download that free. Um, but it, and as a, I guess as an example of what's in there, talk about the strengthener trio, um, and the strengthener trio it's, it's my own, uh, one of my own simple, uh, tools, but it's very, very effective. Anyone can do this and implement it straight away. Um, so 
there's some context for the strength of the trio and then I'll explain what it is and how it can work as a, as a practical tool. It's another um, thing that's ingrained in society, another uh, traditional uh, way of uh, working that we talk in the workplace about our weaknesses. What are our weaknesses and how are we going to fix them or, or minimize, mitigate them? Um, and that's good because these can throw, can pose real uh, threats to our performance, to our, to our jobs, to our organization success. Um, and they are real risks that we need to have, keep an eye on. Um, but by putting too much emphasis on weaknesses, we're not actually spending enough time leveraging our strengths. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it's incredible. I've gone into some, you know, massive global companies and, uh, in their performance appraisals, for example, and their team meetings and their strategy days, it's, it's pretty much like 80, 90% of the agenda is all about mitigating risk and fixing problems and weaknesses. Um, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be doing that, but my advice is for every, let's say hour you spend working on weaknesses, try and spend a similar amount of time on leveraging your strengths better. And this can work at individual team and organization level. So the strength in the trio can help you to do that. How do I leverage my strengths more? So you, you write down, you, you, you look at your task list and your diary for the next few weeks and then say, right, um, thinking about my strengths, um, what can I do? Um, what changes can I make to my working routine to use these strengths more frequently? And then the second part of the trio is what can I do to use these strengths for more time overall? And then the third, but most important and transformative part of the trio is what can I do to get even better at these strengths? And because just because it's a strength today, doesn't mean it's going to be as much of a strength tomorrow. It could be some, some new AI uh, tool that, that, that all of a sudden, okay, we're not very good at that anymore. And maybe we're going to be made redundant. That's a real conversation right now. I'm telling you, and I'm, I'm seeing it and I'm having to help people to figure that out and, you know, find another job. Um, or, or, or to start another business and to pivot. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's like our, our favorite sports team and athletes are really, really good at, um, staying at top of the game, staying at top of peak performance for a number of years. And they, they didn't do that just by focusing on their weaknesses. They are particularly good at, right. How can I get fitter, faster, stronger, you know? Um, how can I improve my technique? I'm good. I've got a good technique already because I just won the gold medal at the Olympics. But, you know, now I've got people breathing down my neck and they're even more determined, these elite athletes, to take me down at the next Olympics. So um, I need to get even better at my technique, even if that's just another 10%. Right? How am I going to do that? Okay, I need some coaching. I need to have a team meeting with all those amazing people behind the scenes that helped me to win that gold medal. And we're going to strategize on how we, you know, where we can improve and where we can leverage our strengths even better alongside, you know, keeping an eye on other uh, threats, weaknesses, and, and, and risks. And um, so that in a nutshell, that's a strength in a trio, but it's, um, it's just a simple method to force ourselves to think and act a little bit differently in a way that can help us achieve a lot more by leveraging those strengths through more frequency, more duration, and actually what training, what research can we do to get even stronger at that strength? Dal, I know you have a lot to share with us, but I also appreciate the time that you have. I know you're a very busy man. Um, if we keep talking, I don't know, I don't want this to finish. 
I want to keep talking until tomorrow. Not sure if you'll have time for me until tomorrow. <laughs> but before we end this, is there anything you're currently doing or you will be doing or you have done that you want our dear listeners and audience to watch out for? Something to download, something to go and check out? The easiest thing been my uh, my ebook, the latest one. Um, so it's called the, the, the Four Epic Pillars of Smarter Working. So in there, you've got my whole life work balance, burnout prevention methodology, and then 50, 56 practical examples of things, little things you can do differently every day to get more done in less time, to improve those life work boundaries and to improve your productivity skills. So it's free, free to download, you know, I give it out to everyone. So people are welcome to look at that. And where can they download the ebook, please? Um, DarylWoodhouse.com. People are welcome to contact me as well if they've got any questions, if I can help with anything. Awesome. Don, thank you very much. Thank you, Don, for sharing your invaluable insights and experiences with us today. Your approach to business growth, productivity skills, and personal well-being is truly inspirational. To our listeners, we hope you found today's conversation enlightening and that it helps you in your entrepreneurial journey. And remember, always remember, it's not just about working hard, but working smart. Until next time, when entrepreneur is done, this is the Alchemist Entrepreneur signing off. Dal, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Mary. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us at the Entrepreneur's Den. Remember, you are destined for greatness, break barriers, fly high, and leave your unique mark. Enjoyed the episode today? Share your thoughts on social media and suggest future topics. Hit subscribe, share with a friend, and keep an ear out for more inspiration. I'm Mo, and I will see you next time. Until then, stay curious and keep pushing. Just know that your path to greatness starts here.